Hi, um, James here. We're co-presenter of The Kitchen Is On Fire. The Kitchen Is On Fire. And I'm Sam from The Kitchen Is On Fire. Okay, ticky off. Um, we'd really appreciate it if, if you could support the podcast, if you've been enjoying it, by liking it on iTunes, maybe leaving a review if you can, leaving a five-star review if you can even do that. Um, maybe just follow us on Instagram, at TickyOff. Um, we'd be really delighted. Hit us up with any questions you might have on there, and, and such forth. We really, really appreciate your time, and uh, your caring. care about us. We care about you. Thanks. Goodbye. Hello, I'm Johnny Greenwood, and I play the guitar and the piano and the penny whistle and the bassoon for the Radioheads. I'd like to tell you about the new drop shop from the people who brought you the Drop Point Delivery app. It's at 175 Drury Lane and is a beautifully composed emporium of fine wine and not so fine wine. Each day they offer their daily special by the glass at a knockdown price, sometimes as low as £2. Imagine! Download the app today from dropwine.co.uk and receive £10 off your first order when you enter Kitchen on Fire in the promo code. Toodles! Please bring responsive with your associate employee contemporaries, poreries, poreries, The only reason I'm alive because I'm very suspicious of old men. Well, I asked you earlier how much the doggy in the window was, and I thought maybe we could address that polemic first. <laughs> um, I'm unsure. I mean, dogs should they be in windows? They shouldn't be in hot cars. Uh, in, your, in, your, in your childhood, it was always like, oh, you go to a pet shop to buy a dog, but pet shops don't sell dogs, do they? No. I think in America, you can, you can still, there's like pet shops in malls and stuff. And With can, dogs? Yeah, but they're from puppy farms, which is not yeah. good. You don't want to farm puppies. No. They're terrible. They can't pull a cart. No. The rubbish at ploughing. Yeah. And they don't eat any grass, unless they're sick. You were talking about getting another dog today, weren't you? Yeah, like abstractly. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, I'm going to go to the pet store. I tomorrow. do like the idea of having pet a dog. Store. I really do. Yeah, but a lot of people do yeah. like the idea. Then they get a dog and they're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, dogs are dog rubbish. Dog. I mean, my cats annoy me enough. Ripley und Zelda. Oh, How are Zelda. you, James? I feel a bit full after that lunch. I went for a run and nearly vomited on St. James's Park. Um, we Great park to vomit in. One of the greats. Yeah. We ate at Berenjack. Jack. Uh, full disclosure, it was a comped meal. Sam got asked in his capacity as one of London's leading influencers <laughs> to go to Berenjack Jack and eat luncheon. What I did- was, I mean, for you, for you, I know, you know, this is day to day. You get invited to things, offers, etc. I don't get many, so that might have been the first, actually. So I was very pleased. Very for, hot back there. It was hot, yeah. I was surprising one because we didn't think also full disclosure we didn't think it was great the first time we went no. but quite enjoyed today's lunch but I suppose free food tends to taste a bit better yeah I, I thought it was, it was improved thought the spicing was better thought the, they changed the chips in my memory on the um, they changed the kebab chips in your one. memory yeah how did they manage that well I'm a robot um, yeah. yeah but it was good, good. but I'm, f- I'm chips, full then? I'm full really full I ate a lot of saffron that's How generally, much saffron generally not a filling need? spice but no. um, <laughs> 
Imagine that. Imagine getting full on saffron. You just have to eat a bowl of yeah. pistules or whatever they're called. They're called stamens? Pis- stamens, pistules. I think pistule is a part of a flower. Is it? Yeah. Jason Ewell? Uh, great. I mean, big, big, big target man. Target man yeah. up front. I think he might have played, actually. I think, for about, I think yeah. he might have played. Um, you excited about Leeds maybe returning to the Premier League, James? It's funny you say that because I'm excited about leaks at the moment, but we'll leaks. talk about Leeds first. Right. Well, they lost to Norwich at the weekend. Yeah, but um, Norwich are a great team. Yeah. Football chat on the yeah. kitchen's on fire. That's a first. That's, that is move on. I do not know anything. Tell about. me about leaks, James. I'm just on a bit of a tear when it comes to leaks. Are you? I'm loving leaks as much as I'm loving life. Right. Actually, more than <laughs> more I'm loving than life quite yeah. currently. Um, there, I just. You know, overrated, underrated, underrated. They're, what a vegetable. They're one of the Allium family. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Yeah. They are um, an onion of a, sorts. A delicate lonion flavour. Much associated with the great country of Wales, hmm. which I think is a, a lovely vegetable to be associated with your country. Growing the ground, yeah? Yeah. But unlike the wanyon, there's a lot out of the ground as well. The green part fantastic in this stocks is, this is a po- we we do talk some crap on this podcast <laughs> i was really thinking i'm gonna really lean into talking about leeks um now i've just been eating a lot of leeks rosie did this delicious leek gratin the other day yeah. with leeks and beans and a cream beige leeks and, and beans and cream and thyme obviously loads of herbs yeah and then a breadcrumb topping it was Quite something. And Do you know why I would never cook a gratin? Uh, no. Washing up. Nightmare. Yeah. Baked on. Butter that dish and you're fine. When I worked Butter in... Butter the dish. When I worked in... Not your face. Um, when I worked in Pizza Express, uh, my first job at Pizza Express, I was KP, and the dishes with the sort of scalloped edge that they did the lasagnas in. Yes. The lasagnas are frozen and they put them in the, in the pizza oven and they get don't, soup heated. Don't give away the... And, um, God, scrubbing those. I mean, you would go through three or four iron wire iron wire wool scrubbies over the course of a shift, getting that off. You know, the number of times, James, that as KPs, not just me, it was, it was a bit of tech as you learn, just smash them in the sink and put them in the bin bags. Because <laughs> you're like, that's not getting clean. <laughs> so you just smash them. <laughs> why, why, why don't you just put them in the bin bag? Because then they'd be like, why is there just one of these in the bin? And then Whereas, you kick it and you're like, it's broken. No, because if it's broken, you're like, oh, sorry, it broke, and I had to put it in the bin. And that didn't come out of your pay packet? No, mate. But it was good. Pizza Express, that's how you could get by there, if you were sort of dishonest, I guess, like I was then. Because you'd smash those, you couldn't be bothered. And then when I was a waiter and you'd be starving, and you'd be like, oh, I really like a slice of cheesecake, but I'm not, I'm not buying one out of my money. So you would, somebody would order a piece of cheesecake and taking out the slice from the entire cheesecake, you'd slip and just smash a piece in half and then you'd put it down as wastage and eat it while drinking vodka Red Bulls behind the bar. Why are you proud of these shenanigans which probably go on in our restaurant and we'd be like, what the fuck, that's an absolute I'm, I'm not saying it's proud, I'm saying back in the day. You I, sound I, proud. No, but I said There's I was dishonest. Pride on yeah, your face. glee. I just remember that that cheesecake's delicious. I can't think of many cheesecakes I've had better than the Pizza Express cheesecake. Do you like a cheesecake? I do like a cheesecake, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like this week's dessert. A pigeon is sort of like a cheesecake of sorts. It is. I like it because it looks silly. looks like something that you'd make on a kid's TV programme. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. So leeks, right? Yeah. On a tear. Rosie made that gratin yeah. the other day. <laughs> 
with which I was much enamoured. That and word the- is, is this week's patron. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know in French, le gratin not only means the gratin, but it's also like a, the upper crust is of it? society. Is gratin. it? Yeah, little fact of the week there. Baked on. It is baked on and baked in. Um, and then last night... I had to go run a little errand, so I popped in some toad in the hole into the oven, and then I put on some leeks and some peas and some white wine and chicken stock to braise and went on this errand, which took about three times the time it was meant to. So by the time I got back, those leeks had been braising for quite some time, but I, I had genuinely wanted to cook them to a state of what these days with everyone with their fucking al dente veg would very much deem to be overcooked. But at Oslo Court, the peas were like old school, you know, petit poil française and français, whatever it is, um, or Italian style peas, you know, and they just cook and cook and cook them. Grey, but delicious. And my wife is not having any of it. She did not believe me that I'd meant to cook them that way. But once she tasted those with her mouth, she was on board. The But people do that, don't they? Melted leeks. Yeah, but, they, you know, what this fad for... Al dente veg. Occasionally, cook, cook the hell out of a veg and see what happens. You might find you enjoy it. I bought a leek the other day while we're on leeks. Can't yeah. believe we're leaning this this hard into leeks. The old leek leaners. <laughs> um, I bought a single leek because I was making a very bought a single leek. Bought. Did you sing that song? When you <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I did. I cooked a very dur dinner. Uh, for your mince and tatties yeah I did mince and tatties. That was dur. It was dur, but it was fucking delicious. Was it? It was really really nice. It was. And I just boiled some some potatoes, but not like new potatoes, like big peeled potatoes. Just boiled them. Boiled. Yeah, but there was a leak in my sofrito for my um, mince, which I wouldn't usually bother. Or celery. No, that's better. That's But the leaves, James, let me tell you. Oh, fuck real. this leak chat. James, at the weekend, oh, okay. I spoke to a man. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. I spoke to a man. A regular's going to know which man you're talking about. Uh, so, people who listened to the podcast last week. Yep. Right, time. Um, there was a man in the Chester Observer who had seen a UFO, or three UFOs, um, <laughs> flying overhead over his garden. Um, and we talked about that last week. I mean, go back and listen, guys, if you missed it. It's real caper. Uh, and you said that if I spoke to him and recorded my conversation with him, you would treat me to lunch at the aforementioned Oslo Court. And, and you've actually spoken to I've him? I've actually spoken to him. I've recorded it. Uh, so I, I believe you. I will edit it and get it on the Hearing pod next week. and I have not heard. Um, so... But yeah, so that was interesting. That's what I did. What did he have to say for himself? Are you going to keep? I know we'll suspense? keep it. We'll keep it down for next week. But you know, kind of strange, really, to go around a stranger's house, yeah. sort of disregarding everything you're taught as a kid. Did you feel any danger from the stranger? Well, of course, you always feel stranger danger. Yeah. That's how you keep safe. It's the only reason yeah. I'm alive because I'm very suspicious of old men. You never know what they're up to. Uh, no, but do you know what anyone's up to? I'd just say with old old men, it's it's tougher to tell. They move slowly, but there's a lot going on behind those eyes. <laughs> like those a duck. Crewmy eyes. Like a duck. <laughs> yeah. They look like they move slowly, yeah. but underneath, yeah. it's going in going that like grey grey. That's why it's called grey matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was weird to go around some stranger's house. And, How old is this fella? Um, I guess late. I, I'm terrible. Ballpark. Seventy. Uh, okay. Yeah. No spring chicken. 
In my head, he was younger. No. Creepy dude. D- d- Little creepy. Cataracts? Uh, no, no. Eyes, you know, probably a, a bit of yellow in them. You know, you're not... I'm not saying all people can't see, but just if you've seen UFOs, you know, questions might be asked about yeah. sight, vision. Sight beyond sight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, that's coming next week. Oh, that's ex- I am genuinely excited. Yeah, that's good. What was his name again? Uh, John. Um, yeah. um, so you mentioned time earlier That confused you Yeah As ever uh, I lay awake the other night <laughs> Genuinely churning Churning? Churning, or my stomach was churning Thinking about um, A conundrum A time related conundrum Okay. All right. Got bear with me on this one because if this confused me, this is going to confuse the shit out of you. Okay. Right. France is an hour ahead, isn't it? Yep. Go to Turkey. What's that? Like four hours ahead. Right. Keep heading east. Right. So you get to Australia, Sydney. In my head, that's always the furthest ahead. I don't know if it is. Right. But on the globe. Yeah. You're 11 hours ahead in Sydney. Yeah. Keep going a bit further east. Yeah. Get to LA. Yeah. You've gone back in time. There's seven hours behind, eight hours behind. Right. So, how is it? And it's 20 hours behind Sydney. So, how is it that it's in front of Sydney, but it's 20 hours behind Sydney? Fucking riddle me that. It's a conspiracy. The earth is flat. Or, I don't know. But. so I can't you, explain it. If you get in a plane in Sydney... If you get in a plane in Sydney and fly to LA, you've literally gone back in time. What are you wearing? What? <laughs> if, if I'm in Sydney and I'm like, all right, I'll call you tomorrow, you're going to be like, your head will explode. You're like, my tomorrow or your tomorrow? What day is it? I'll call you on Tuesday. It is Tuesday. <laughs> is there a point where it changes? What, and some, what, on the globe? Yeah. You're flying over the sea. Is that where the Bermuda Triangle is? No. Uh, that's over Bermuda. Where's Bermuda? Uh, Do you say Bermuda or Bermuda? Bermuda. It's, Bermuda. In, the, it's in the Atlantic. There's been a Muda. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. That's a tropical reboot. God, stop stop changing the subject. Explain, explain that to me. I mate, uh, I'm not the right person. It's because the Earth spins. Yeah. Yeah. But who decided that actually we're going to go, we're going forward, we're going forward, we're going forward, we're in Sydney, we're 11 hours ahead, oh, we're going backwards. On the phone, on the phone, you're like, oh, w- look out your window, what's going on? It's dark. Right, so you're nighttime, you're in the daytime. Yeah, but the sun shining, look, at, at midday in Sydney, yeah. on a Wednesday, right. it is 4pm in Los Angeles the yeah. day before but it's the same sun shining on both cities at the same time I know why it is it's time the, does not exist no I know exactly why it is because we're going around the sun yes right so the point so as we go around the sun if you're stood on the earth's crust right <laughs> and imagine imagine the earth tiny imagine the earth's the size of uh, like a, me- a medicine ball in the gym yeah right so you can stand on it I mean you have to have some mad yeah. core strength like me but so you stood on it, but you're like facing out into space. Yeah. Just imagine that. Yeah. 
so as the earth turns, right? If you if you do where you are, base it on your head. Yep. So if you're stood on one side of the ball and somebody stood on the other, because yep. you're floating in space, yep. then your head is a certain distance away from the sun. But as it turns, you get closer. So you're in the future. Yeah, but on your imaginary then, medicine ball... But then as your arse comes around, you're, like, you're way ahead. But on your imaginary medicine ball... Yeah. It's not, they're not, it's not an equivalent. It's not, you're talking like it's the North Pole and the South Pole. Yeah. It's like they're next to each other. It's like, some, it's, it's like you being like, oh, actually, it transpires Moscow. It's almost exactly the same as being like, actually, in Moscow is yesterday. Moscow is yesterday all of a sudden. Okay, so it's midday in Sydney. What are you wearing? <laughs> this time of year, it's summer. Shorts. Is it summer? Flip-flops. Are you getting on a plane in flip-flops? Flippy-floppies. Not letting you in first class. Well, who said anything about a plane? I thought you said we were on a plane. You said I was in Sydney. Yeah, but you're about to get on a plane. To LA. Right. Are you wearing tracky dacks? I. Killian Murphy's there. Right. Leo's all jacked up. Okay. Bane on a plane. <laughs> Bane is sleeping <laughs> on the plane. He looks dapper on that plane as well. Very lippy in that film. Oh, he's got a great voice in that. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful um, man. Okay, so I'm not in flippy floppies. Okay. I'm in a suit. A suit. A lounge suit. Right. Um, and then I'm on the plane, I'm like, uh, sorry, what day is it? And they're like, it's Tuesday. And I'm like, we took off on Wednesday. And then my... Uh, I think it's, yeah, I, I don't think it is. I think it's just, it's a fiction that last man week, has last created. Last week I time-travelled to Oslo Court. This week I'm time-travelling backwards to Sydney, Australia. No, yeah. to, to I think Sydney. it's because it's a construct. It is. The space-time continuum, Sam. Yeah. Explain. Just made up. It but is. you were saying things the other day it's about there's billions of galaxies and stuff, and there's no proof that there is. Shut up. There's not, I, but genuinely, how do they know? There is actual It's proof. too much space. There is actual proof. There's too much space. It's too dark. You can't find anything in the dark. You can, that's true. So what they write, so you can't find anything. If you're in a dark room, you probably bump into some stuff and get things wrong. Two words, Sam. Yeah. Sonar. Sonar? Yeah. But there's no air in space. True. But how, so how do those radio waves get to us? What radio waves? The ones that came from the they're UFO. Probably, they're probably from Your some mate. geezer in his garage or something, listening into police radios. It's very none of this. None of this is proven. It's all just conjecture, James. <laughs> what well, like is proven is that you can travel. You can t- time travel because you can go from Sydney to. Uh, so what happens if you go back and forth? If you went back and forth so fast, you could probably gain a f- couple of weeks. So it means you could be you could be Mumra the ever living. We could do that loads of times. Go back and. Could you reckon you could take a sleeping bag on a plane? You can say what you like. Well, well no, yeah. but get in it. You as can... long as they could see your seatbelt. Yes. Really, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> of you, you could can. zip the whole thing up over your face and go to sleep. Yes. Because would you be? Are you embarrassed if you fall asleep in public? Uh, like if you get dribbles. Well, you took a picture of me on the plane the other day. <laughs> yeah, that was, that yeah. was gross. It wasn't the other day. It was, was disgusting. It? Uh, it was a foul picture. Yeah. It was in... <laughs> I mean, I looked horrible. If you ever share that, I mean, that yeah, I wouldn't. That would be harsh. Yeah, the kind of thing that. No, I'm not embarrassed. No, it's only natural. Only natural. I mean, it's awkward if you pop up. Yeah, know. you're not doing that on a plane, though. But that's what I'm saying. You could be in a sleeping Vibrations. bag. Nobody would know. You're like, sorry, I went backwards in time. <laughs> I got really excited that I just gained another hour of life. But you, got, I mean, you get up to anything in a sleeping bag on a plane. Pack a lunch. Light a fire? <laughs> we can light a fire, but... Uh, I'm you still amazed vape. that you can bring lighters on planes. Yeah, that's weird. It's very odd, that. You buy a bottle of whiskey and bring a lighter, you're setting that plane on fire. Mate, if somebody does that now, you are getting questioned. Why? Because I'm giving you... them ideas. Yeah, don't, don't do that. 
right. Edit that bit out. Really? No. Oh. You don't do any editing, Sam. It's I getting, do. It's getting out of control. I do so much fucking editing. I would sniffly sniffs on and me last week with my fucking whistly nose. Your nose last week was out no, of control. Do you know how much I cut? Really? Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. I don't know what's going on with my nose. Yeah. Whistle down the wind via my nose. Um, all right, well, who's our guest this week, James Ramsden? We have got... We've got Amy Poon on the podcast. Amy is a... a well, I don't... I mean, I, I'm kind of curious to know... I was about to... I, I was about to do something terribly patriarchal and describe her in the context of her father, which, uh, A, would have been patriarchal and wrong, but also, B, sort of accurate, because she um, sort of exploded onto the scene last year with her Poon's pop-up, and uh, her father and mother, I believe, actually, used to run... I think it was her dad's gig. Again, apologies if I'm getting this all wrong. Used to run a sort of legendary restaurant in Chinatown back in the day called Poons. And she, I believe, is looking to sort of reignite that particular fire all over London in the coming years. And um, we're going to hear all about that. So um, stay tuned for more of that. Dum, dum, da, 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 dum. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing dry February, but when I'm with James, I'm doing dry February. To be supportive. To be supportive. He's my yeah. sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> He's very good at it. Your mentor. Well. Yeah. Those are the words he used. Um, I mean, is it worth drinking these? Aren't they revolting? Do you know what? They're not bad. Because Beck's Blue was the only thing available for you. Yeah, it was sort of calibre as well, but basically it was Beck's Blue, and that is horrible. And now they're all getting in on it, so they all kind of, you know, have actual competition. So. Really? Are you, are you not just pretending it's okay? No, no, it's so genuinely quite, it's, okay. It's, it's sort of like the, the beer equivalent of trying to drink a spritzer or something, okay? and they've sort of watered it down. Well, I mean, yeah, there's an element of that, but Budweiser Zero is this lovely maltiness to it. <laughs> uh, Heineken yeah, Zero, sort of clean, crisp, refreshing. Uh, not a beer drinker, I've been, so. I've been going through them. Yeah. So, how do you um, describe yourself in three words? No, many words you like. Permanently hungry. Okay. More, more in the sense of uh, for listeners who don't know that the because there's a great history to you um, and your family. My which family, I've, I've okay. Sort of I am a to... uh, champion of of Chinese food. Um, I think particularly of the the current sort of movement to bring Chinese food to the fore in sort of London's culinary scene at the moment. Um, in a sort of regional sense, or, or no, just generally, I think um, I think regional is is certainly um, one way to go about it, and then it's sort of an easy way if somebody sort of pegs himself as a Sichuan restaurant or a you know, Hunan restaurant or you know um, you know a northern sort of cuisine restaurant. It, it's easier to kind of um, define your patch, as it were, and yeah. introduce something. But I think generally, I mean, you know, I, I think about something like. You know, A Wong. It's not yeah. particularly regional. He does a bit of everything from everywhere. Um, and you grew, uh, you grew up in restaurants. I did grow up in restaurants. Um, so when I was born, my parents had Poons and Co, which was at Lyle Street. Yeah. Um, and that's where it all started. And all. So all literally, actually, I was the bundle on top of the fridge. You know. Um, actually. Actually, um, and we used to live above. Right. And. Um, and then we moved to the leafy suburbs when my parents opened Covent Garden in 76. Right. 
Okay, I thought it was all. Yeah, I thought it was all Chinatown. So no. So so the very first restaurant was was um, the very first Poons was in um, in Lyle Street in Chinatown, um, and they had sort of great supporters and um, they was it a big place? Tiny, teeny right. tiny it was, it was you know you kind of walked in there was a sort of counter on the left kitchen there you know um, there's an old old photograph of my grandfather my brother actually on our Instagram right and I have no idea who took it but it's, it's a photograph that um, always makes me smile and sort oh, of really? warm and fuzzy um, yeah. and it's got that sort of really sort of nasty sort of fake bamboo panelling um, and you know sort of well, I suppose it'd be quite trendy now sort of kitchen tablecloths underneath glass and then um, people used to refer to it as, as the restaurant was flat ducks in the window because right. one of our family um, sort of traditional family recipes um, was for wind dried meats and um, the, the, the way you do the wind dried duck is you Sort of, you, you you butterfly it, flatten it, and then you know you get these funny sort of flat looking ducks, mm. and it's a sort of confit process, but was sold, um, and that's one of the things that we were famous for. Growing up in London, obviously, and then Covent Garden, and were you were you involved in the running of the restaurants as a kid? I mean, not <laughs> well, accounts, actually, but, yeah, um, aged, aged, you know, five but, and a half, you know, um, you, charred labour and all that. The Chinese yeah. for that. Uh, were you running around the place sort of uh, clearing um, tables? And- no, I don't remember that so much. I remember spending a lot of time in the restaurant playing at, you know, being involved. Um, yeah. I remember Covent Garden. Um, we used to have a barman called Chong who was tremendously fun. And in, in the quiet time between sort of lunch and dinner, he used to put me on the, on the serving trolleys and whiz me around the restaurant, and that was fun. Um, but I worked in all of my parents' restaurants as a teenager. Um, they used to have a restaurant in Switzerland in Geneva. Right. So I sent out there one summer um, and set to work behind the bar. Um, and then I had loo duty for a month, you know, to prove I wasn't anybody special. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, and then I was told off for using chocolate powder in the cappuccinos. Being, you know, Europe, you had to have coffee. Um, oh, 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 in Switzerland, that wasn't the same thing in Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland was a very different um, sort of market, I think, from from London at the time. Um, I certainly worked at Covent Garden an awful lot. Um, Presumably, you're quite in demand as a, at school as a, as a friend, as someone whose parents had a restaurant. Yeah, it was quite a cool Not thing. Not saying you wouldn't be popular off the bat. I anyway, been, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely, uh, yeah, cashed in on that one. Um, I don't think I ever realised. Um, that it was something special to eat in a restaurant, you know, because right. that's just what happened on a daily yeah. basis. Um, and, and frankly, I, I think I, I rather wish that we could have eaten more at home. Right. Um, but when I invited friends over for dinner, it would always be at well, the restaurant because that was the easiest thing to do. Whereas when I was invited to my friends' homes, it was, well, you know, at home, mm. kitchen supper. Yeah. Um, so my friends thought it was tremendously entertaining and, and sort of quite special. And so they'd come and we'd sit and I'd order. Yeah. And then, you know... I get to write on the chip that it was me, and and the bill was, I guess, miraculously paid by somebody, or m- maybe perhaps by me in later days, you know. Yeah, in um, kind. In kind. Oh, is that the right expression? Yeah, that's probably uh, yeah. That's, that was the that was the scrubbing the box. That was where that came into play. I mean, definitely quite jealous of your friends getting to have their, you know, have a play date or whatever with their friend, and then they get to eat amazing Chinese food. Whereas they do talk about it still now, actually. Because that was always a. F- I mean, I still remember some of my friends who, you know, very kindly invited around to, you know, play after school or whatever, and always being like, "Oh my God, what's dinner going to be? What's dinner going to be?" And you know, sort of 
families eat very differently, don't they? So it was it was always a bit terrifying. Like, oh my god, what are we going to have? Yeah, my my daughter has that. But she's learned to be a bit diplomatic. Yeah, oh, it was always diplomatic, and I would eat most things. But the I, I think the first ever episode of this podcast we did back in two thousand and fourteen, you told a story about going to friends and the mum served volavants yeah. f- filled with peanuts. Yeah, it's going to be peanuts. Yeah. yeah, so literally you took a bite and all the peanuts fell out of the, you know, the bought um, volivant cases, yeah. And it was like eating... So, so dry-roasted peanuts. Is it tasty? <laughs> um, not really. No, no, it's quite dry. 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 Real dry. Yeah. And very, very difficult to eat. But literally, so it sort of came out and then, as, you know, everyone took a bite and you just heard the rattle of peanuts hitting the plates around the table. I think Good. we should do a dish at Pigeon that is a sort of homage, homage to that. To homage peanut, to that. Peanut, peanut volivants. Yeah. What was sort of clientele back in the day then at at Poons? The Covent Covent Garden, I think, by virtue of its site, was um, a bit of a magnet, I think, for the sort of, you know, the great and the good of the sort of, you know, theatre entertainment world. And so that was Poons Covent Garden. So vast. It was quite big. I don't think I ever realised. So we had the basement, which I was terrified of. My mother used to swear that we had a friendly ghost. Um, She's called him Uncle Chan. And um, and and things would sort of weird things would happen every so now. You know, bills would go missing, and and you know the the water would stop in the middle of the day, and there's a big stopcock that would take a couple of guys to turn, mm. and the water would stop, and my mother would just say, "Oh, that's Uncle Chan. He's he's bored. He's he's you know mischievous. It's all right. We'll go and burn some incense and and, and sort of appease him." But bills would go missing. I mean, bills would go missing. What? What? In like people would pay their bills. So, so no. So, so you know, in the olden days before iPads and all these Mm. kind of computerized POS systems, you had you know paper chits, Mm. and you had little slots. You had a desk with little slots, and you put your little paper chit in there, and you know you had a cashier that just sort of pick up all those bits, and somebody'd come along and say the bill for table twelve, and you know the little slot for table twelve would be empty. And then, you know, you'd have to go back to the kitchen and find, and then you'd do the bill, send the bill out, and at the end of the evening you'd find all the, the, the chits for table 12, you know, under the till or something. Um, but my, my mother said, look, he wasn't a malicious ghost at all. He was, he was um, just mischievous and wanted to have a bit of fun. I mean, that's, I mean Sam and I'm delighted <laughs> as well because we talk about ghosts, I think, arguing too much on this podcast, but it's great to have a guest who brings in uh, unbidden, yeah. unprompted. Usually, usually I, I have, a, I'll have a ghost story. A ghost story. Things, so. The other reason I was petrified of the basement was we used to have these huge tanks of eels. Right. Because we had eel on the menu. And um, I'm terribly, terribly <laughs> snake phobic. Right. And to me, they just look like snakes, so I'd never, ever wanted to go down there. Um, I don't blame you. But I used to spend, you know, time in the basement doing stock taking. It's the old fashioned way, you know, counting sort of sacks of cashew nuts for, you know, chicken and cashew nuts. Um, and I'd have a sort of clipboard and I'd be sent down to the storeroom. And that would be my week's sort of, you know, holiday work um, and count how many jars of chili sauce and how many sort of, you know, containers of soy sauce and how many bags of, of, of cashew nuts and, and that sort of thing. So, sort of getting to know the ins and outs and the guts of running a restaurant, and then I uh, could be misremembering, but suddenly you find yourself, not suddenly, but you ghost like suddenly find yourself in <laughs> Singapore with a champagne bar. Am I getting that right? Yeah, well, I, I always swore that I would never go into the restaurant business. Um, right. It's very antisocial, it's quite hard on family life. I said I didn't want it for me, not for my family. And um, so I, I, I went a completely different route. I, I did my degree in Japanese. 
ended up working in Japan in advertising. Um, and then came back to England and um, quit my job actually in advertising to start. Well, what I hoped to do then was to start、um, making Poon's branded sauces.、Um, so, in the sort of fit of peak, I quit my job and decided I didn't want to work for somebody else. And I looked at my bank balance, I had all of £23 in my name or something like that.、Mm-hmm. I realised I couldn't pay my rent and certainly couldn't start a business. So, I found myself back in Tokyo, which was quite lucrative for me,、um, working on a freelance project to try and sort of, you know,、um, fill the coffers a bit.、Mm-hmm. Um, And then sort of life took me in a different direction, and I ended up in Sydney for a while. And then in, in Singapore,、um, did various things in Singapore. I had a contemporary art business, and then I sort of wrote a silly book.、Um, <laughs> What was the book? It was called This Little Piggy Went to Prada. Right.、Nursery、Which then、rhymes. became a well known film, The Devil Wears Prada. No, not no. quite. I, I wish、oh. I were her. No, I, I、oh. no, didn't, didn't make bazillions, but it was, it was a fun silly book.、Um, It was rewritten nursery rhymes because I was pregnant at the time and had a,、um, it was, you know, I just had a little girl, so I couldn't remember any nursery rhymes. Did that book、so、do, all, do all right? I mean, yeah, no, it did actually. We,、um, I think we did something like 300,000 copies or something. Crikey. So, how did, having vowed never to go near hospitality yourself, how did you suddenly go near hospitality? Oh, well, so、um, I blame a friend of mine. It's always good、Choose. to have friends yeah, to blame. Yeah, right. So, so、yeah. um, I was working in luxury recruitment, which I was not enjoying.、Um, and I have a dear girlfriend who came to me and said, What are you doing? She said, Stop it right now.、Um, the only time you're happy is when you're feeding people, or talking about food, or eating food, or thinking about eating food, or discussing eating food, or discussing where we're eating food next. So, what are you doing? Just faffing around. And she said, If it's the money, Ames, I will pay your salary. For three months. I can't so, do more than that. That's a good friend. He said, I can't do more than that, but three months, and that'll get you up and going. And, you know, I have city friends who work in banking who make lots of cash, and she's not one of them. She's a, a writer <laughs> and a trainer, you know, divorced, two children, mortgage, school fees, the works. And I, I was just a bit blown away by、um, the faith, I think.、Mm. Um, and I thought, oh dear, well, I'd better do something about this. So I quit and I started writing a plan for Poons.、Um, And as I wrote the plan, I became more and more convinced that there was a space for it.、Um, and that's how it all happened. So, where, when are we, where, where have we got to here? So, chronologically? Chronologically, probably about four years ago. And where does the champagne bar fit into it?、Oh, that was just, well, no, was that, that was, no, when I, I was、um, just after my eldest was born. So that was in 2003. Right. So I had a three month old baby, and I thought the best thing I could possibly do was open a champagne bar. <laughs> Since I was going to be up all night anyway. You might as well be in a bar. I might as well be in a bar.、Yeah. And if I was going to be in a bar, I might as well be making money being in a bar.、Um, so yeah, that's how that came about. And how did that go? Was that a success? It was a bit mad, actually. We, we, we took this funny little space on the first floor of an old shop house in Singapore in the red light district. Great clientele around there, I'm told.、Um, well, it was, it was, it's now become you know, Shoreditch, and this was、right. way before Shoreditch was Shoreditch, right? So we still had a working brothel across the road from us, and there were all these、um, sort of hawker stands、mm. you know, along the road.、Um, and it was just lots of fun, and sort of dodgy karaoke bars. And I think we were the first 
smart place. Actually, that's not interesting. There, there was a fabulous new hotel, sort of boutique hotel that opened down the road with a really fantastic restaurant called 1939, and, and the restaurant was called Ember. And so they would send us people, you know, when, as a holding place. And then when we had hungry customers, we'd send them down there. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And did that teach you sort of ins and outs of, of uh, difficulties of sort of running your own place? Well, no, I think a champagne bar is a very different proposition, you know. I mean, there's not much wastage. You no. Know? There's, there's no... Perishable is not really a problem. You weren't doing food of any um, No, not really. Uh, well, a packet of crisps. Yeah. I mean, no, what we'd often do is if somebody was really hungry, we'd literally go across the road and get them charcuterie, which is, you know, fried rice noodles in, in a plastic right. for my sort of melamine plate and some plastic chopsticks. Right. Um, and, you know, everybody was happy and we'd go across the road and get stir fried this and the other and fried rice. Um, but otherwise, no, we didn't do food. And so if there was any booze left over, we'd just drink it. Or, you know, hand it round. Sounds tough, yeah. Staff were delighted. Staff were delighted. Everybody was happy. There was very little wastage. Um, And it was an easy business in that respect. And so four years ago when you were thinking about rebooting Poons, restarting, mm-hmm. what was, what, were there still restaurants open? No, so my parents retired in 2006 and I think about a year or two after that, the last restaurant um, was sold and that was Lyle Street because that was the first, that was last one to go and my aunt was running that at the time. Um, and so it just sort of, you know, it was like a, chapter closed and nobody thought it was going to be resurrected um and how do you feel sort of the chinatown has evolved in those in that 13 years or whatever since then um i think there's a tremendous effort to make it smarter mm. you know and then that's probably not a bad thing you know that all that sort of new building work where the pagoda used to be and stuff and but i think it's a fine line between making it too sanitized and making yeah. it sort of you know no, I don't know. Is it, is it Chinatown for the Chinese? But, you know, it, it can be very inhospitable. I mean, it is pretty grimy. Um, but that's, but then for many, that's the it. charm of it. So, well, I think that's what you say, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when we, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure anybody would complain if, if there wasn't muck all over the street the whole time and, you know, the staff weren't quite so rude to you and, you know, you weren't slipping over in sort of dark fat from six restaurants that sort of <laughs> coagulate into the street. Don't they all sort of go on... Well, not maybe not all, but you know, certain restaurants just, you know, basically, if you what is it? What's the big cut through? Is it Gerard Street? Gerard Street, the, the pedestrianised one. Yeah. Underneath that, apparently, is just you know, all more restaurants and store. Not more, not more restaurants, but you know, the basements of restaurants and storage and dining rooms and kitchens. And you just mm. so amazing to imagine that you're walking on top of all this activity. Activity, yeah. yeah it's um, I think everybody there has a basement. I mean, there's no, I mean, the, the, the properties are so sort of narrow and tall. You have to use every single square inch because, you know, prices mm. are, are steep. Um, there is at least a, a sense that at least I get, you know, when you get a little property alert from all these people who, you know, property agents, usually if it's Chinatown, there's, it specifies the landlord's got to be a Chinese restaurant. A Chinese restaurant. Which I suppose is something. I, I sort of think if you know what you're in for, you know, we go back to by way 
fully in the knowledge that you're, you don't go there for the service, you don't go there for any hospitality, but the food's going to be great, and almost part of the fun is that they don't give a fuck about yeah. you. Yeah, perhaps, but you don't apply the same sort of caveats, do you, to dining in any other cuisine? No. Not much, I don't think, and I think that's a bit of a shame, because I don't think it does, you know, the Chinese standard any favours. And does, um, is, yeah. is that just an yeah, approach that is in culturally inherent and that... I don't know, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, I I had a sort of run-in in in a Chinese supermarket. And and I speak Cantonese, right? So I'm, you know... And I just thought, you know, I I have a business account at this supermarket. So we used to buy all our produce there when I ran the pop-up. And um, my my parents know them terribly well. And, and, you know, same generation, Mm. you know, first wave immigrants into, into London, into England... Um, all building their new business and everything else. So my, my parents, in the end of this, this supermarket, have known each other for years and years and years. And um, and I had a problem with my shopping trolley, and I couldn't fit any more into it. And it was a really packed place. And I so I I had a shopping bag, and I put some produce in my shopping bag and put it onto my shopping trolley. And I got into terrible trouble, and I was accused of stealing. And I said, no, no, I just don't have another hand for another trolley. And obviously, I'm just walking towards the, you know, yeah. till. And then I was, uh, I was told off like a naughty schoolgirl. And I was trying to explain to this woman, you know, look, I don't have more than two hands. I can't mm. carry another trolley. And she just put her hands up. She goes, don't say another word. Just do as you're told next time. And I felt <laughs> properly ticked off like I was back at school. And, yeah. and you know, the injustice of, of school children, mm. the playground. You want oh. to say, but miss, miss, it wasn't me. It wasn't. Don't you know, talk he back. hit don't me talk first. Back. Yeah, and and she's like, back. don't talk back. Yeah. And I kind of thought, ooh, yeah. it's been a while since I felt so sort of, you know. Which well, supermarket? Is a name and shame. Name and shame. <laughs> Absolutely not. They're going to, you know, poison my, my next delivery. Yeah. Um, well, there aren't that many, are there? You know, you've got... Is it Loon, Loon, Loon Fung? Loon Fung on, on the main drag. And then there's a little supermarket opposite, I think, uh, called Loon Fung Moon, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, as, you know some Filipino produce at the back, and then there's Siwu on, on um, Lyle Street, which is where the original Poons was. Right. Um, but then you have to know about all the other little places of shop. So there's that little alleyway. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Dancy Place or something? Um, that's sort of parallel to Gerard Street behind. Um, and, and there's a kind of factory space there, and they make um, rice noodles. Right. Rice noodles and Chinese carrot cake. And and there's a very innocuous little sort of doorway and you'll see a queue of Chinese people there and you just go there to buy um, chung fun, which is, you know, the rice um, kind of noodle pasta yeah. um, and and uh, carrot cake. Uh, and that's what you get <laughs> Is there. that a traditional combo? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it falls in the same category of, of kind of production. Right. And then further, there, there's also a fishmonger there. Um, but further along, there is a little vegetable shop and um, there's a couple in Kent called Mr. and Mrs. Mal, and they grow Chinese vegetables in Kent, and they sell them at this little shop. That is top tip. That is top tip. Top yeah. tip. Top tip for the day, that. Mm. Are there any other secrets of Chinatown? That... Secrets of Chinatown. It gets sort of, you know, shopping shopping for Chinese produce isn't isn't easy. I guess it's like shopping for any produce, right? I mean, you, you know go to the supermarket if you must but if you want really good bread you'll go here and if you want you know these guys do really good artichokes and you go to your butcher if you want really good meat so it's the same um, same principle 
So, you know, there are specific brands of um, tofu, for example, you know, which are better than others. Yeah. There's one that you can get at Longfong. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got a green circle on it. And that's a sort of superior brand of tofu. What's your go-to move with tofu? My go-to move? Um, I love it. Or Well, I like, I like two kinds. I love the, the silken stuff all mashed up with um, mashed fish and coriander and shiitake mushrooms. Um, and you steam it and it's just a very, very gentle dish. Right. Um, it has a funny name. And this is another thing, Chinese food names, they, they don't translate very well. So... Um, how do I translate this? The, the, the literal translation of this dish is is something along the lines of um, uh, sort of old old spirit, sort of old spirit and peace. Or I think I think if you're trying not to be literal, you'd say something along the lines of you know God bless everyone. Right. Um, but it's you, well, you this mash is mashed tofu. It's mashed tofu with um, sort of mashed fish. So you, so you take fish fillets and you sort of you know, smash them up um, and you mix this with coriander, spring onions, um, woody mushroom that you've chopped very finely mm-hmm. and it doesn't look very pretty on the place because it looks like sort of mush. So you, could, you steam it all together? You, and you, make a, you make a sort of paste out of it right. and you spread it quite thinly, you know, maybe sort of an inch or so thick on a, on a sort of um, a plate with a lip because it'll give off some juice. Yeah. A um, little olive oil, and you not olive oil. Well, you can use olive oil actually, but um, and you steam it, and then you put a dash of soy sauce afterwards. Nice. Um, we had that actually at one of our, our, our heritage dinners. No, we did it as, a, as our farewell dinner. Farewell to Clark and Well site dinner. So bring bring us up to date with the Clark and Well experience last year, and for ri- listeners who don't know about all of that. So. Um, we tried terribly hard to raise funding to open a proper grown-up restaurant. Um, and we, is we the royal we? We, we is just schizophrenic me. Right. You know, I talk to myself and I talk to myself a bit more and change seats and talk to myself. Um, so post um, a referendum, all funding went eek, you yeah. know, um, as I'm sure you know. We know that story, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we'd, we'd spoken to lots of people and everybody was really gung-ho and, and, you know, thought it was a brilliant idea and and then, obviously, you know, Brexit happened or the referendum happened and I had a lot of phone calls saying, Ames, you know, nothing personal, but there's just no deal flow right now. And then, of course, you know, you slightly lose the wind from your sails. And so at times it felt a bit like dragging a dead animal across the tundra. Yeah. And just think, what am I doing? You know, does the world need another restaurant? I'm not really, you know, going to change the world. Um, but there was a sort of, I don't know, I, just sort of conviction that something needed doing. Yeah. Um, and I had a really lovely group of investors who just said, look, you know, we're still in. Um, and everyone said, go the pop-up route, prove the concept, prove that it works, mm-hmm. go and do something. Um, and, and that's what we did. And how did your folks think about you rebooting it and... Um, my father back. had lots of concerns, obviously, about the quality of the food, about my chefs, about whether or not they were up to the job. My mother had much more sort of personal concerns, you know. I mean, obviously, she'd gone through what I'm going through, running a restaurant with children, domestic life. And I think she just looked at me with great pity and tried to steer me away and said, are you sure you want to do this? Oh, you know. And every time she sees me, she always says, you must be so tired. You must be so tired. <laughs> Um, so, you know, her concerns were, were 
very different. Um, but I think pop-ups are hard. I think they're harder than game permanent because you can't obviously have, you know, the team you want. Yeah. Um, you know, people aren't going to leave perfectly good jobs to come and join you for a three-month jolly. Um, and, you know, chefs, you, you end up working with a lot of agency people, mm. so mercenaries. Um, yeah, it gets expensive. It gets expensive. And, and, and then, you know, again, you, you don't feel, I think, the same amount of heart if you don't belong to an establishment, I think. Um, I and mean, how it, did you find the space that you did it in and how did that all work for you or not? Well, I think we'd seen so many spaces. I think, you know, with the whole pop-up story and the appear here's and, and, and I think everybody who had, a, you know, a storeroom thought they could make money out of it. So we saw some pretty dodgy places that let me literally wear room cupboards. Right. Um, oh, you know, you could sit two people here. And it would be like a, you know... Really niche. Niche, exactly, you know. And so when we saw The Alchemist and it was, you know, white walls, spotlights, semi-decent kitchen, mm. we thought, oh, we could we could work with this. Um, but I think, like anything, it's only when you move in that you start realising, oh, so the electrics don't really work. and. Um, the load isn't working and we're having floods every night. Oh, oh yes, we just electrocuted a couple of chefs and um, I'm now, you know, I'm blocking the loo and I've got rubber glove on. You're well practised. Uh, yeah, all that sort of back stuff. Back in the day. Well, you know, um, I, I think you realise that, you know, having space that's kind of built to spec is quite important. Yeah. Kitchens kind of designed to spec yeah so you're not tripping over each other i mean we couldn't open for lunch for the longest time because there simply wasn't the space in the kitchen to prep for dinner and to do lunch so prep heavy menu well not i mean everything needs prep right and it's just there wasn't space to cook and prep at the same time really um you know you couldn't really fit more than three people in the kitchen um including the porsche so that was quite tricky Um, and who's running the who's running the food side of things so my father um came to train but he's he's quite scary sometimes <laughs> um he has very exacting standards quite right so he'd come in and pick up a piece of spring onion and hold it up and say who chopped this and everyone would sort of look away and he'd look at me and go it's fatter at one end than the other that's just shoddy isn't it and then he'd drop it and walk away in disgust would he um, have been unimpressed if you sort of brought out the old mandolin or it had to be or you know a... well I, I think he, he can sort of you know you know, he, he is able to, to, to sort of work with the times a bit. But I think from his perspective, he came through the ranks, you know, in a very traditional way. So he feels like everyone should sort of, you know, pay their dues and yeah. earn their stripes. And, so, and did you sort of manage to tame him and stop him interfering and sort of encourage him to be more helpful? And Sorry. Um, I think the chefs really quite enjoyed it when he came in hmm. um, I talk them a lot. and I think he really enjoyed coming out actually because he hasn't obviously cooked for a long time um, but he could be quite bloody you know he's so used to everybody in, in his kitchen hmm. knowing exactly what he wants and how to do everything um, I remember my, my GM actually pissing himself because um, my father was in the kitchen and he picked up something by the edges knowing full well that it was piping hot didn't say anything, and he passed it to another chef who hadn't realised, who just grabbed it and obviously yelped and dropped the whole pan. And, you know, and my father just looked at him as you know, to say, you numpty, you know, why don't you know that? And you just think, Daddy, that was just bloody. You could have just said hot. 
yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we, we just had a, a, a big, you know, reunion dinner at home, um, which is Chinese tradition for mm, New Year. Of course. And I think there were, I know, 18 people for dinner. My father had been cooking all day and no one was allowed in the kitchen except for, you know, two of our guests who were two protégés of my dad's when he had his restaurant. And they were the only ones who were allowed in there because they knew how to work around him. I mean, every time my mother tried to interfere, you know, there was lots of shouting and banging, get out of my kitchen, you know. I think I tried to go in and make myself a cup of tea and I exited with just a mug and a tea bag in it. Um, just about. Just about. What so, did you eat? So we had lobster, uh, stir-fried with ginger and spring onion, and then we had this um, ridiculous dish of abundance. We were trying to figure out how much you would charge for this in the restaurant, and it just wasn't possible. It was a braised pork knuckle, um, but in it had shiitake mushrooms, um, you know, Chinese mushrooms, and, and not all Chinese mushrooms are created the same. I mean, you can get incredibly rare um, varieties, and then it had um, fish more, um, and fish more. Fish more. It's it's kind of it's a hard thing to describe because everyone's going to go ew, but it's it's do the fish stomach. Right. And, it, and it's it's a sort of... Like the swim bladder or... No, no I'm not quite sure exactly, um, biologically, what part right. of the fish it is. Um, but it's got a very sort of gluey consistency. I quite like it. It's meant to be incredibly good for your skin. And, and it's incredibly expensive. Um, and it usually comes in a dry form. Um, and it had an, an, an a fungus in it called hair vegetable. It looks, it looks like black hair, right. but it's a fungus, um, a sort of mushroom, and dried scallops, and so, and, and abalone, which of course is incredibly expensive, so it, it's meant to be a dish of abundance. Sounds it. Um, it takes a lot of prepping because everything has to be soaked and reconstituted. Yeah. And then, so obviously the lobster noodles, not noodles for longevity, this was a dish about abundance. What does that, um, sorry, what does that sort of taste like, that combo of pork knuckle and strange um, fish How do I describe and- the taste? It, it's a, it's certainly something that's um, it's it's a heavy it's a heavy dish it's a strong dish you know it, it's a, it, it's not a, it's, is it super funky or super salty um, no it, it it's just very deep right. now, I hate to use that 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 term umami right yeah. but but there isn't another Chinese yeah. word that sort of translates and covers it all I mean I think Chinese food. Um, vocab is a completely different topic but it's it, I'll show you a picture um, it's very brown it's such a terrible word yeah. for it but you know all the ingredients well, in this beige food is very in right now so. is it oh, but yeah. it, no no it, it's not as innocuous as beige though it's, it's a really strong brown right. it's a punchy brown it means to be brown it's not an in between okay. it's not a latte this is like an espresso <laughs> this is a okay. ristretto right. right so that's what it tastes like it, it, it's, it's, it's a very purposeful mm. taste but all those mushrooms have obviously a very earthy flavour to them um I mean dried scallops is like anything in that sort of anchovy sort of you know um Botaga, you know right, that right, is, okay. it's a very deep kind of fishy taste, yeah. um, and it's it's yeah. you called it James swim bladder swim bladder is it a swim bladder yeah the internal gas filled organ that contributes to the ability of many bony fish to control their buoyancy yeah and that makes sense actually because it's a little bit puffy um, but it is backfired on that fish though because it's from the large fish like croaker and sturgeon. So that that's the dish. 
Ooh. Wow. And, it, and it's just, you know... Um, uh, listeners, Amy underscore Poon, you can see it on her feed. And it looks... It looks super unctuous as well. Like sort of unctuous, that's a good word for it. That's exactly what it is. Glossy. It's oh, wow. very luxurious. Mm. Abundant. Abundant. It's all yeah. about abundance. Amazing. And um, and then we had Ray Stuck, of course, and then we had this, which was my, my father's little sorry, pet sorry. project. Um, so it's, it's a boned duck, um, and it's stuffed with lotus nuts and barley and chestnuts and lotus seeds and dried scallops and all manner of delicious things. So you've boned out the crown but left you've in the legs. Left in the legs That's and stuffed with and that. then braised and sort of oh. sewn up. Um, and China. then we had, um, those are chicken livers which are marinated in raised wine and then roasted. Wow. Um, that looks like a serious feast. Yes, and then and that's the other thing. So, so soup. There isn't a single Chinese child, I believe, hasn't grown up being told that if you don't drink your soup, you won't grow, or you know you'll get spots, or you won't have a boyfriend, you won't pass your exams. Um, I mean, Chinese. The Chinese have a soup for everything. Right. Um, you know, because in Chinese medicine, you have all these. Um, it's a little bit like uh, Ayurvedic medicine, you know, states of being. So you can be very phlegmatic, very heaty, very cool. And then there's a soup to counteract or, or, or kind of preserve the state you're in. Yeah. So if you're in good health, you want to drink a preserving soup. And if you're in bad health, you want to drink an expelling soup to get rid of all the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and so this is a soup. So my mother's sort of big on her soups. And that has, um, it'll be pork and the chicken in there and there's maca in there you know maca powder superfood um, and Chinese yam and goji berries and all manner of nuts and seeds and, and red dates and honey dates and it's a tonic it's a, it's a sort of a nourishing soup Is that a traditional Chinese New Year soup as well? N- not particularly but there's always soup in New Year's yeah. and again it's all about abundance the more you put in it it's, it's you know it's that sort of energy but, and are, your um, kids, are your kids involved with this feast? Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Everybody's involved. Chinese New, Year, Chinese New Year's Eve is, is the big celebration, really. You all come together. That's when you have the sort of mass transit in China of everyone going home. Um, right. And what are you drinking with, with this? Um, well, everything and anything. I don't know. I, I wasn't in charge of the wine. That's my, my, my husband's department. Um, but it was much and varied. Excellent. <laughs> Hi guys, Sam from The Kitchen's On Fire here. Uh, just take a little pause from the podcast just to tell you all about our London vodka. It's uh, the only vodka that's uh, made and distilled in London. Uh, it's out in Hackney near Pigeon, one of our restaurants. Um, and it's delicious, just great stuff. If you're into vodka, you're really going to be into this one. So uh, get yourself down to Magpie on 10 Heddon Street and uh, use the promo code The Kitchen's On Fire and one of the bartenders there will whip you up a delicious our London vodka-based cocktail that I'm sure you'll really enjoy. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, let's get back to the podcast. Weren't expecting that, were you? Um, so, I mean, and looking back on the pop-up, do you feel it? I mean, because it was very well-reviewed and sort of well, you know, for want of a better word, hyped. Um, yes. Do, do you feel Scary, it was, was it worth what? Yeah, well, yeah, when expectations are high and... Yeah, I mean, we were... I mean, I have got to stop saying we. Um, <laughs> I was really, really sort of blown away, very touched, I think. I mean, genuinely touched and sort of quite humbled without it sounding sort of worthy and, you know, 
insincere by by the goodwill you know and we the really touching thing was so many old customers who came out of the woodwork who traveled for us amazing with all their amazing stories about how they used to dine there with their kids with little we had this incredible family came in they, they booked two tables of six because you couldn't book more than that on the website and it turned out they were one big family they wanted to be a table of 12 and this lovely woman said you know these kids have been eating Poon's food in utero. And she said, you know, when I was pregnant, I had cravings for your jajangmen. And I sent my husband in a cab to Poon's and said, don't come home until you've brought me noodle soup. And and she had memories of my my aunt passioning up for her and, you know. And so those stories were really, really warming Mm. um, and quite special. Um, Hard not to sort of get carried away with the hype. And, and, and kind of, you know... In terms of overconfidence? Not just overconfidence, not... Uh, what I mean is not sort of valuing yourself by the number of likes you get on Instagram, right. you know, and, and whether such and such a blogger posted on you or didn't post on you, you know, just... Yeah. Just remind yourself that it doesn't have to happen out there, that, you know, if you've got the people in the room who are having a good time, then that's enough, really. Absolutely. Did you, you, know. you, uh, did you use PR? Yes, we um, work with Tonic, right. and they were great, um, but they were very lovely, and they said, you know, yours is a, a story that almost writes itself, so, you know. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you go along on influence, so-called influencers? And- they brought a few in, um, but really, I think we, we did a lot of traditional PR, and a lot of the mags and the, you know, probably more mainstream people mm-hmm. came on board. We had a few bloggers. Um, some who posted, some who didn't. But like I said, it was it was hard. I mean, I was very new to this world. Yeah. So it's it's you know, I mean, when you read about teenage girls committing suicide because they ain't, haven't got lights, yeah. you, you almost get it because you think, yeah. here I am, a fully grown person, going, oh, I'm so upset because so and so hasn't written about us, and mm. you know, he came and had free drinks. Um, and were you? I mean, obviously you, your dad was involved, but did you feel pressure on you to? live up to the name that it had been before and to have customers coming back who'd been there back in the day coming back did you was that exciting or was it nerve-wracking or all of the above i think all of the above i mean obviously there was you know a name to live up to when you want to produce food that was you know going to be good i mean i i, I wasn't aiming for michelin star i'm not aiming for michelin star what i want to do at the restaurant is very different to what my father achieved um, you know, I, I want this food to be very accessible. I want this food to be something that you would eat three times a week. I mean, I, I don't really know what I want for dinner, you know, tonight, let alone next Tuesday, let alone a restaurant that I have to book six months in advance and mortgage my house and sell an organ for. So that <laughs> yeah. that's not the level that we're aiming at at all. You know, I, I want this to be lunch on Tuesday, early sups on Thursday, come with your kids for Friday lunch, I don't know, you know, come for a bowl of noodles, come for a full-blown meal. Mm-hmm. And so, so what's, the, what's the plan next? Well, the plan next is uh, obviously to go permanent. Um, we're working on the product range, of course. Yeah. Because um, we have the soya sauce. Um, but I do believe that there's, there's room for this product range we're trying to launch of Chinese pantry essentials. So, you know, the five things that every Chinese kitchen has in them that you could, you know, that if you had, you could basically produce a Chinese meal. Which are? Well, soy sauce, dark and light, um, some kind of noodle product, some kind of chilli product, and um, probably a hoisin or an oyster sauce of some sort, you know, in, in the same way that in Italian kitchen you need know, olive oil, a passata, balsamic, that sort of thing. So um, mm. we're 
looking for a site, which is, you know, again, tricky and scary. It's a big commitment, a lot of cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking for cash. Yeah. You know, it's that's tricky too. Fun. I'm, I'm sure you know it's a lot joy. about that yeah, too. It's really, it's a, it's a boring exercise. But it is um, a boring exercise and it makes you wonder why you're doing this at all. Mm. And then you think about all those happy people when they're eating and drinking. And you think, oh, I made you happy, I hope, eating and drinking. Yeah. It, it genuinely is. I think well, we have this hashtag, edible love. Um, that's really, really corny, but I really believe in it. Um, and it was my, my nephew who came up with it. Because um, when he was at uni and, you know, poor and stuff, I would occasionally send him food parcels. Oh, nice. Um, and he just said, oh, but, you know, auntie, it's just edible love, isn't it? And I think that's what it is. Sure. And where are you looking, if we can ask? Everywhere, Everywhere, right? I mean, we know you—you literally pound pavements, north, south, east, west, and and there's no magical formula, is there? It's—it's not. I mean, you you can put a brief out and you say, "Well, we'd like three thousand square feet. We'd like to be on the ground floor. We'd like some frontage. Oh, it'd be nice to have a terrace." (laughs) You know, you have a wish list, yeah, and then you end up with, "Oh, well, here's something that's in the basement, and it's twelve thousand, and uh, (laughs) and that's it." You know. so it, it really depends. I, I think it's, I, you just, you have to feel a place, you know, mm. chemistry and flow and energy and all the rest of it. Something could look great on paper and you go there and it feels all wrong. And yeah. You always, we always say that, you know, there's always going to be a compromise or two with yes, any site, but I think once those compromises start stacking up just because, oh, the location's spot on or it's got a terrace, you know, the, you, you, you know as soon as you're, doubling down on compromises then it's probably time to to move on yeah absolutely and 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 and, i mean i remember somebody saying to me you know you probably don't want the best location for number one because you won't learn anything if it's so good that even if you were rubbish you'd succeed Mm. which sometimes happens because of the location then you won't learn anything and even if you know and then if your location is cheap but so terrible that even if you were brilliant, you just wouldn't have the traffic or the footfall, mm. then you won't succeed, you won't learn anything. So you kind of want something in between. Um, and I'm obviously nervous of you know, making a big splash, right? I mean, everyone talks about King's Cross, which could be very exciting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's uh, nerve wracking because, you, you, you know, you do put yourself out there um, and it all goes tits up, you know, it's like, oh dear. That was a lot of noise. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fine line between, you know, tiptoeing around like a mouse and being slightly apologetic mm. and going out there all guns blazing and drums rolling and just somewhere sort of little sort of just under the radar and saying that we're just going to try and do our thing if you'll let us and, you know, give us a bit of breathing space and we'll get there eventually. Difficult line. These Difficult days line. when, you know, you sort of need the hype beasts. And, of course, everybody's a critic nowadays, aren't they? Sure. You know, yeah. and you just want to say, hey, spend a day in my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you shit. Is this going to get me into trouble? No, not at all. I mean, the opening one is cranberry juice. Overrated, underrated or correctly rated? Overrated. Not a fan of the cranberry juice. 
Not a huge fan. Leaves that sort of furry sort of mm. thing it's in Britannic. your mouth. That's exa- it's that's, ex- that's exactly was my point. I was thinking about I haven't had cranberry juice for ages and I'm not unhappy about that because of the way it leaves your mouth feeling that weird like soury kind of... And I think we've come a long way since, you know, the Cosmopolitan, right? Yeah. I think if is you that, order a Cosmopolitan, that really dates you. Is that cranberry that orange really, vodka? Not what? orange, it's no. cranberry vodka, something in the martini glass. Yeah. No, Sex and City, Very wait for your time. Cosmo. No, 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 <laughs> I, remember, I remember that well. Uh, salt cod. Salt cod, love it. Yeah. I do love it. But salt is anything. It, but is it correctly rated? rated? Correctly rated. Um, I don't think there's a lot of hype about it, is there? No, I wouldn't say. I, so. I haven't. I haven't seen it as a new buzzword superfood on everybody's menu. So you're going underrated. I think it might be underrated. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. James, what's your opinion I'd on salt cod? Correct. I think people yeah. people in the people who know salt cod like salt cod. They rate it correctly. Can you buy salt cod anywhere decent? And yeah, yeah, who yeah. sells salt cod? Oh, mate, yeah. Spanish deli. I could tell you some things. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to buy some. But yeah, no. Spanish Italian deli. Um, yeah, you say that, but can you name one that sells it? Can you name it? one? I bet Camisa. You know? No, no I, don't think so. I think I would have bought some if I'd have seen some. That's what I mean. Portuguese, it's like, oh, yeah, everywhere. Portuguese delis on every corner. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. Where's <laughs> a Portuguese deli? Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, some tips from Amy, and you've oh, failed right, there with sorry, some no. tips for the listeners. Um, but, you know, there's other salted fish as well, which I think is delicious. For sure. Chinese salted fish, very pongy, but very yummy. What's the, um, is, is that super hard and you soak it or it's... It's super hard. Sometimes you get it in oil. Right. Um, we used to smuggle it in because once upon a time you couldn't bring it into the country. Um, so you'd wrap it in lots and lots of things and, and stick it in your suitcase. Um, but now there's an allowance, I think, for, for dried seafood. Right. But yeah, super yummy, just steamed with ginger. And you can put it with things, like you can put it in fried rice. Yeah. And you know, so good. Yeah, salt cod fried rice is... That's a good yeah. myth. Mm. Yeah. Um, white pepper. Oh, brilliant. Underrated? Um, I think slightly because people are a bit snotty about it. Because you think about white pepper and that ground stuff you find in sort of glass jars yeah. on, your, yeah. on, on a sort of you know, nasty cafe table. Um, we use it quite a lot in Chinese cooking. Yeah. Um, that ground white pepper. It doesn't have to be freshly ground. Um, but it has a, a, a sort of funny smokiness to it actually um, there's a restaurant that we used to go to in North London Singapore called New Urban Seafood which was in a car park and it was sort of dirty and gritty and delicious and um, they were famous actually most of their sales went on this amazing steak they did but the other thing you'd go for was white pepper crab which was always surprising because everyone always in Singapore has you know, chilli crab or black pepper crab but the yeah. white pepper crab had this real sort of I can't describe it, not just smokiness, but a, a sort of tingle about it from the white pepper that, that wasn't as obvious as black pepper. Okay. Was that, was that nice. with whole peppercorns or no, ground? Well, some, ground? some whole peppercorns and some right. ground pepper. But I, I found another source of pepper recently um, from Cambodia. Um, oh, I will bring you some. They're called Hong Spices. It's a company in Singapore that do this sort of Kampot pepper, and they've got red, white, yeah. and, and black pepper. Yeah, we've been using a bit of Kampot well, yeah, actually, we haven't for a while. But we had, pepper. Yeah, ma- but we had a sauce of campot, which I don't know what happened. Campot long red pepper, I love. It's really chocolatey. Mm. It's really good in desserts. But that's Burmese, isn't it? What's it? Crossover and I don't know. Wow, mm. pepper. Good, we covered that. Um, souffles. Love. Really. Mm, love a souffle. You can never have too Bad much souffle. Me, souffle. It's just there, isn't it? <laughs> it's not just there. Though. I know. It's, it's not, not I know, just there. I, I recently. Um, 
had a meal where I started the souffle and ended the souffle. If I could have done, I would have had souffle in the middle. Really? Mm. Big I, fan of the souffle. Big fan of the souffle. You know, a Grand Marnie souffle, oh my God, it's just... Mm. Yeah. Maybe I haven't had a good one. I think probably one of the reasons I'm such a fan is my husband has promised me a souffle for 15 years and um, he has yet to produce one. That's a long-held slash, you know, undelivered promise really, isn't it? it well, he, we, we did go for lunch for my birthday to Edison Street and I had the souffle there and he tried to pass that one off as the souffle. <laughs> nice, nice try. Nice try. Uh, and final, overrated, underrated or correctly rated, ticking clocks. Does anybody rate ticking clocks? Some people really like the sound of a ticking clock in a room or a bedroom. Infuriating. And, oh, Infuriating. I think it's Abby, my wife, I think she likes... It might be her, maybe somebody else, who just loves the sound of a... And I remember I used to stay at a friend's house and there were three... There was like a grandfather clock and a carriage clock and another clock and they were all ticking out of time with one another. Ooh. It was just like, how do you no. sleep? It's like no, you're no, in a, no. like a haunted I, I don't think that watch. should be rated at all. Massively overrated. Massively overrated, so? yeah, no. James? Um, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> I like a grandfather clock, though. But you're going to hear that yeah. thing ticking. Don't get a quiet grandfather clock, do you? But we've got a grandfather clock at home, uh, you know, mum and dad at home, uh, I, and it's in the sort of kitchen, and I don't picture it as a ticky-ticky. There's other the, noise the, the in the kitchen, perhaps. Yeah, yeah there are other... when you have, you know, yeah. in the hallway or somewhere quite quiet, yeah. and you notice it. Mm, it's like metronomes. Can't, can't bear them, yeah. no. Uh, great, right, now the quick fire. Um, your favourite bread my favourite bread at the moment is chirai at mm. um, Danish those clever Danish people that have opened everywhere yeah. Ollie and Steen Ollie and Steen that's right was it chia 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 seeds rye mm. James oh well, just, we've moment. eaten quite a lot of bread recently. Yeah, so. um, still uh, sourdough of some description. I tell you, the E5 Stockholm loaf is the best. I hate to say it because Dusty Knuckles obviously close to our hearts, but the E5 Stockholm loaf is my current fave. What Which, is that? At the E5 just a sourdough. Yeah, but it's just a it's, sourdough. It's, it's inc- the hydration must be like ninety percent on that baby. Right. It's very, very. That sounds very technical. Worst. It's but it's really sticky and and it's just fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, uh, But I'm a bit of a bread slut. I love bread. Yeah, me too. Love bread. We had a, that box down there on the floor was a delivery of a load of samples for this thing we're up to, and uh, yeah, we just sat here just eat. You know, thinking we've got to stop eating bread. Bread with cold butter, like slabs of mm. cheese. Yeah, that's the way to Heaven. do it. Somebody's had one of those. Um, what's that tool? Uh, bread uh, knife. Butter no, uh, no, no, it wasn't that. But it was, oh, if you yeah, Signa have... on yeah, Signa on um, Twitter. Yeah, Signa Hansen, food writer. She was using one of those butter. Uh, well, she said it was a Norwegian cheese slicer, but I always oh, had one as a kid yes. and used that on fr- butter from the freezer mm-hmm. and, or or from the fridge. Just yeah. like never have an issue with cold butter because it's perfect slice for your bread. My wife bakes a lot, and actually, I've recently come to the conclusion that toasting fresh. Bread is is not necessary. No, I don't like taste. Just have it butter and jam on bread. You feel like you're right. in an Enid Blyton novel and enjoying it. All right. And uh, a glass of milk to go with absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and lashings of ginger pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, your shellfish of choice. Mm. You're only allowed one. Tricky. 
You know, I do love those little Atlantic shrimp, you know, like a pint of prawns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. there's a real sweetness to those. Mm. And they always signify summer, I suppose. So it's just got lovely associations. But I think a pint of prawns. Uh, probably have to go oyster, but crevettes oh, would definitely oyster. come a close second. Oh, uh, oysters. Yeah. I mean, you know, lobsters is a bit obvious. I mean, I, yeah, I would no, get, you know, I would order lobster noodles any day. Yeah. Um, What's yours, Sam? Mine would be clams. Clams, clams. yeah. yeah. Clams, just any sort of clam. Love a clam. The uh, happy. Why is it that, that was that Italian phrase? You know, if they should come on the Pasqua, happy as a sa- happy as a clam. clam. Happy as a clam. Yeah, I'm Clams definitely not happy. happy as a clam. And clams happy. don't seem like happy creatures. They sort of like got a smile on them, haven't they? Mm. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what it is? Don't they don't have a nervous system, though, do they? <sighs> no. That's um, why vegans can eat them. <laughs> can they? Well, there's a thing called bivalve veganism, and certain vegans will be they're all right with eating clams. bivalves. Well, mussels, oysters, because there's clams. no central nervous system. There's no harm. Um, um, bourbon or scotch? Uh, probably neither. Neither? Mm, no. What's your Not spirit of choice? My spirit of choice, probably vodka. With cranberry juice? <laughs> yeah, Cosmo. Yeah, cranberry juice. Uh, <laughs> no, soda water. But I'm not, I'm not a big um, spirit drinker. Um, your favourite music as a child? Oh, it's so corny, Sound of Music, hands down. Oh, really? In fact, I'm going to go to, you know, what is it, the Prince Charles Theatre, where they have the sing-along? No. Yes, <laughs> yes, I don't Should think... Move. Bring the kids? Absolutely. Are they Yeah, my, my street cred is like yeah. zero at the moment, <laughs> and, and my teenager will just, you know... Die. Wincing. Yeah. That is not my mother. But yes, I'm sorry, Sound of Music. Only because it's so Fantastic. fabulously corny. That and um, I always wanted to be in the cast of fame. Again, that dates me, doesn't it? No, just, just staying on the musicals, though, that was your vibe, was musicals I as a kid. I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, everyone did the sort of Smiths when you're being a kind of, you know, extensionist teenager. Mm. Yeah. Um, and thought you were really sort of deep and kind of like... So your, your mates were listening to The Queen is Dead <laughs> and you were listening to... It <laughs> <laughs> was all happy music. Actually, that sounded a bit like Morrissey. Yeah, that was good, that was good. Uh, your favourite rice preparation? Uh, clay pot rice. What's, clay the, pot what's, rice. The, what's the Amy move on the clay pot rice? The clay pot rice is... It's, um, well, you, you, it's clay and fire. Something happens with clay and fire. There's a sort of weird alchemy. I don't know what it is. Um... It's like boiling water. When you boil water in a proper kettle on the stove as opposed to electric kettles, yeah. the water tastes different, right? Right. So um, we make clay pot rice. You, you sort of equal portions of rice to water. You wash it. Um, and then you put it in high flame and it bubbles away. And then, you know, you reduce it. And you put the lid on. And you put your lovely, you know, wind-dried meats on top. And all the sort of juices from the dried meat sort of seep through the rice as it cooks. And then you, you have the flame on very, very low. So a little sort of crust forms at the bottom of the clay pot. Um, and it, it, it's in Chinese literal, um, the literal translation. I don't know how you translate it. Sort of not a skin. But anyway, you, um, then you have this sort of freshly cooked rice that's incredibly fragrant from, from the clay and, and the wind dried meats. And the stuff that's stuck on the bottom sort of succotash or yeah, there's, there's succotash soccer rat. Soccer rat. what's succotash succotash is like corn and stuff chopped up <laughs> suffering succotash <laughs> I, think, I think you can't really do it in Chinese restaurants anymore because of health and safety but you used to be able to send that pot back to the kitchen and they would put a ladle of stock in it and scrape off the bottom and you mm. put a handful of chopped uh, sort of sliced ginger and spring onions and then you have this most 
delicious sort of rice gruel, like rice porridge. Congee, that's my other rice yeah. preparation that, you know, I think is so underrated. Um, and it's just the best of both worlds because you've had the rice and you've had a bit of the crunchy bits and then you have this sort of, I know, there's just sort of comfort in the dish. I want to get one of those clay pots. Have you got one? No. Mm. But I still owe you a Christmas present, so... Get yeah. down to China, China. I've actually got yeah. lots of storage from the pop up. Do you have to soak them for something before you, you do. use it? You do. Is that critical. initially or every time? No, just initially. Right. It's like when you prepare a wok and you season a wok or you season yeah. a, a pan, you know, you just, that's the first thing. But um, I mean, in China, they are so inexpensive that we have friends out there who literally use them, throw them away. Um, right. Because they are literally sort of, you know, 10p a pop. Right. Not so when they get over here, though. No. no. So what is? Happy Christmas to me. Uh, and the final question. If you were one of the three little pigs, which one would you be? Um, As in, do you reckon you're the pig who's like, yeah, I'm building my house out of bricks, or you're lazy, which I would be, and I'd build the one out of, what, straw, sticks? Straw, sticks. sticks. Mm. Second one's what, wood, and then bricks. I can't remember. And the big bad wolf. Yeah, yeah, and he and he puffed, and he... Yeah. Um, see, that's why I wrote that book, because I can never remember any of these stories. Well, there was a brick guy, wasn't there? And there was a yeah. It's, straw. It was brick, brick, wood, and straw. Is that like, wood? I'd be straw because I'd be, be straw. I'd be just kind of lazy. I'd be like, this would be fine. Then the wolf would get me. I suspect I might be brick, and then plaster, and then marble, <laughs> and then cornices, and yeah. then underfloor heating, and then CCTV. Yeah, classy uh, pig. Twenty four hour. No, police. no, not classy. I think sort of slightly anal OCD. Oh, okay. Um, you Just know, interior designer pig. Possibly, um, I want my kitchen facing this way, pig. Excellent. And that's not enough burners. And can we have triple sinks, please? And what about the wolf? You just like don't care. I just want the kitchen wolf, to be right. Well, if I was like properly Chinese, I'd say, and that would be dinner, right? You know, Excellent. raised wolf with goji berries, and you know, like a tonic soup of wolf. Yeah, wolf soup. Or a little stringy wolf. I picture them. You know. Yeah, but you could see like a. Mm, yeah. No, wolf soup might work because the other sort of. I mean, this is why there's so much terrible sort of trade and legal trade in animal parts. Is there's a Chinese saying that if you if you eat that body part, then that body part is then enhanced in some way. Right. You know, hence the um, rhino horn. Yeah. Popularity for tiger penis. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say paw. I said maybe you'd put a wolf paw in a soup. Bear but then paws. You'd just like bear. Yeah, that's why I have bear paws in my head. Um, it's, it's then, like you end up with like wolf hands, which is probably not a good look. <laughs> what what pig would you be, James Ramston? I think you'd be the brick. Uh, Steady. Be, you know, yeah, br- safe. Br- I mean, I'd like to think I'd be the brick. I mean, but there's a charm to wood. <laughs> you'd be like somewhere in the middle. My house looks the nicest. Yeah. It's got a kind of rustic vibe going yeah. on. You know, if the wolf comes, the wolf comes. Maybe yeah, that would be that feels more you actually. Yeah, good wood. wood. All right. So we've got one each. Yeah. Nice there you so you've all got so much to come when the wolf blows your house down. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. But we then we've got to eat the wolf and I'll be like, can't we have the clay pot rice? <laughs> or you might quite enjoy nicer. it. You never know. Yeah. Do yeah. everything once, right? End up with very hairy knuckles in that wolf paw <laughs> soup. Hairier. Uh, hairier, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Amy. Thank you for coming and Not joining us. Not at all. That was really fun. Um, yeah. I'll just say thank you again. I'll, um, who have we got next week? And then week? I'll say I thank you to you too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've got Ella, Ella Risbridger next week, um, author of Midnight Chicken. Um, but in the meantime, Amy, thank you. And to the listeners, goodbye. 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 <laughs>